1: morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Welcome into the program. Hope your day is starting off. Well, it's probably starting off a little white and wet out there because we did get some snow and it's still falling. But as you heard Sessie say, it'll be changing over to rain. But for right now, it's slow going on the roads. Uh, on my way in, it was the roads were mostly fine. Just got to slow down a little bit. And of course, make sure you clear your car off before you head out because it's uh, not only is it important to be able to see, it's important for you not to get all that snow in the way of the car that's behind you. And also take care of it now when it's a soft, fluffy snow that's easy to brush off as opposed to, you know, when the mixing starts a little bit later on in the day and then it's going to get a slushy wet mess on top of your car. Or unless you don't have anywhere to go and then just wait and the rain will wash it all away. But if you have to head out, Make sure you clear it off. And, you know, you get all of those highway signs that mention things like cleaning off your car. But as Phil mentioned in the news, there's a crackdown now on some of those messages. So now they have to be boring and straightforward. No more of the fun stuff that they were putting on there. Now on the other side of it, that means I no longer have to see highway signs in Massachusetts that say Blinka. If I saw that one more time, I think I probably would have thrown up in my mouth because enough already. It's, it's stupid. It's like when, it's like when people intentionally say, chowda, cut it out, cut it out. Don't make it worse. Although if you've seen the Ted series on Peacock, they do a really good job of nailing the Massachusetts accent, the Boston accent, even though they're from Framingham in the show, but they still do a pretty good job of, of nailing it, and it's it's a really funny show. So, But you did hear Phil. Phil's going to be here with us in the mornings now, and uh, he's hard at work already. First day having to wake up early. You're going to run out of gas at some point. I, I have some Celsius in my office if you need it, so it'll get you through. So uh, there's a lot that we can discuss this morning. Later on in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Representative Bill Strauss to talk about this new plan for the new Bedford-Fairhaven bridge replacement. As we talked about last week, uh, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation announced that it will be a vertical lift bridge that will be replacing the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge. So it is going to be 280-foot towers on either side and then a bridge span across the middle that can be raised to 80 or 138 feet, if I remember that correctly. So 80 feet or 138 feet. I would guess most of the time it's going 80 feet for a lot of the vessels that are going through now, but it does have the ability to go higher. I was saying last week, I hope that when they first, you know, unveil the bridge, the the grand ribbon cutting ceremony that I'm sure is going to take place, I hope they raise it up all the way so everybody can just get an idea of how long that will take. But it'll be much faster than the wait time now and uh, much more efficient. And I think... There's a lot of questions about how this is going to happen and what people can expect. And uh, we'll get as many answers as we can out of Representative Strauss today. But as you know, it hasn't even entered the design phase yet. That's the next step. So there's a lot of variables still to be answered. And, you know, of course, the biggest question is how long will be the inconvenience of not having a bridge We heard that it will take 12 to 18 months to construct the bridge, but does that mean 12 to 18 months without the ability to go down that road? And again, I'm sure a lot of it depends on the design that's selected, but we can get a rough idea of some of that with Representative Strauss today coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. If you have questions you would like me to pose to him about that project, you can either email me, tim at wbsm.com, Or you can send in those questions via app chat on the WBSM app. Also, we can talk about the passing of former Mayor John Markey. We have the story up at WBSM.com and on the app. Look back at his life and, you know, as always with what's essentially amounts to an obituary article, a remembrance article, you're going to have, there's good and bad in every person's life and in, certainly in every politician's tenure and even every judge's tenure. And there's a lot of stories that we could have shared, a lot of information that we could have shared, a lot of, you know, we heard some calls yesterday with Chris McCarthy on South Coast Now when he broke the news from callers. And, you know, that just, you have to encapsulate a person's life in a brief amount of words. And and Jack Markey went beyond really what you can encapsulate in those words. But that's what the airwaves are for. If you want to call in and share your thoughts, your memories, you can do so, 508-996-0500. But one thing, and again, I wasn't here at the time. I was just a young kid when he left office to become a judge. I was four. But I can see the lasting effects of the work that he did as mayor and i was talking with a few folks yesterday who said you know in the time of uh george rogers right before mayor markey it was a time of not a lot of fiscal responsibility i think people felt at a, you know a time in america where we needed fiscal conservatism there was some wild spending going on they thought thought and that um jack markey tried to rein some of that in but well but, but while also putting money in the right places, building the new high school, which is now 50 years old, but building New Bedford High School, building Greater New Bedford, Vogue Tech, elementary schools, the water treatment plan. I mean, this was a time when there was a significant investment in New Bedford's future, but also, as, as Mayor Mitchell pointed out in his statement, a significant investment in New Bedford's past as well taking those community development block grants and putting them to use in the historic district and revitalizing that. And it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that there was a time when the downtown area, especially in the historic district, was dilapidated, to use the mayor's word. That it was a time when there had been no honoring of New Bedford's past and people didn't care about it and as such it had fallen by the wayside I mean you come to New Bedford as somebody who you know I, I probably came here for the first time as a, as a kid but I don't really have a lot of memories of it I remember my dad taking us to Cove Discount because it was one of his clients as an auto parts salesman and I remember going there to shop I remember going to Building 19, but New Bedford wasn't a place we spent a lot of time in, mostly because we lived in Plymouth and on the Cape. And then when we moved to Wareham, we would come here for more and more things, but I wasn't too familiar with the downtown area. That came about really when I started working for the Standard Times. First as a columnist in 1998 and then as a part-timer or a stringer in uh 2002 no 2001 that's right my first day was september 11th they called me and said i don't think you need to come in but that was my first real exposure to downtown new bedford and then of course going out and doing dine-outs that's how i really got to spend more time down there or running to restaurants to get some dinner while i was working so in my experience it had always been this revitalized downtown and in fact I was even coming in at the wave of revitalization that came post Star Store opening, post post the uh, CVPA moving in to downtown. So in, in my mind, it was an area that was always preserved like that, that was always historically significant and always maintained as such. And then over time to find out that that wasn't the case, that it really had been. An ignored area. And it took the efforts of Mayor Markey to some controversy, from my understanding, to really bring that back. You know, you you go down there as a person who doesn't know New Bedford's history and you say, wow, they still have cobblestone streets. They've kept cobblestone streets going for hundreds of years, but no, those were all reinstalled. Again, to some controversy. So you you learn about this effort that was put forward and you realize that, see, it's easy. It's easy. I say that, you know, cautiously because I know it's not true, but it's definitely easier to inherit history. It's definitely easier to be a steward of history, to be the person that steps in as just another in a long line of people. Who have preserved that history. It's a different story when you are the person who has to spearhead the movement to bring that history back. And we see this happen a lot of times with some of the historically significant properties around Massachusetts where they've kind of, again, fallen by the wayside, but the right investment comes in. And they want to bring it back to what it was and they want to make it matter again. Or it could just be that it was, you know, maybe a private residence for a long time. And they want to turn it into a museum. I always go back to the idea that the um, Fearing Tavern in Wareham, one of my favorite places, one of my favorite historical spots to go to, was built in 1690. The first part of the house was built in 1690. And when you walk in there, you feel like it was 1690. It looks like it did over 300 years ago. And it really takes you back in time. But what blew my mind was to find out that until 1960, that was just a regular house. And it didn't look like it was from 1690 when the last family lived there. I I happened to know people from the family that lived there. You know, I was working at the diner when I first started going to the Fearing Tavern and one of our regular daily customers, his family was the last ones to live there. So I got to talk with him at length about what it was like living in that house. And he said, you know, it wasn't like it is now. It was just a regular house. We had, you know, regular walls and We had electricity and we had running water and we had indoor plumbing. It was the historical society in the 60s and 70s that went in and took all that out to restore it to its historical appearance. And you think about the amount of work that that took. The amount of work and and money and elbow grease and sweat that it took to take it from A modern place, and granted, it's certainly much easier, I'm sure, to restore it to the old ways than it would have been to modernize it. But it comes out looking as if it hasn't changed a day in 330 years. And that's what happened with downtown New Bedford, with the historic district of New Bedford. You walk around there, it feels like it hasn't changed since the days that, say, Herman Melville was walking those streets. But that took a great effort. And I know folks will argue about whether or not too much attention is paid to downtown, whether or not too much attention is paid to one specific area of the city as opposed to others. But the bottom line is that's what brings in your tourists, that's what brings in your, your out-of-town nightlife. Yes, there are bars and nightclubs and places to hang out all over the city. But those are not places that people are coming into from other communities. It's people from the neighborhood. It's people who know. It's like the hidden gem idea. You know, This is my place. This is my neighborhood hangout. The people who are coming in from outside the city... Go downtown. When I was driving, you know, an Uber and I picked up kids at UMass Dartmouth, they weren't saying, you know, bring me to County Street, bring me to the Ave, bring me to wherever else. You know, there might be a concentration of some places to to hang out. They were saying, bring us downtown. They wanted to go to the vault. They wanted to go to play. They wanted to go to Rose Alley. You know, they want to go to these places downtown because that's the attractive area to people from outside. So it is a place that needs that attention and that investment. And if that was just another blighted neighborhood, that would be a lot of revenue lost. Not the least of which is the, the parking meters that everybody complains about. So that alone will stand as a significant portion of Mayor Markey's time as mayor, along with all the other great things that he did. But also all the years that he spent as a judge, as a tough but compassionate judge, as someone who was a resource for people, as someone who was a guiding hand for people who went beyond just passing judgment and also tried to honestly help. And we were hearing some of those stories yesterday. I welcome more of those. 508-996-0500. You can also send in app chat messages and open line voicemails on the WBSM app as well. I think when someone does pass at the age of 89 you know he lived a, a, a full life as, as people tend to say but you also sometimes tend to forget the the legacy they've left behind of the next generation lots of folks know his son who's also a lawyer John jr. a lot of people know his son Chris who is a state representative continuing on in the same forms of service that their father did and doing the same great work. And so when you talk about legacy, that has to be part of it as well. Again, 508-996-0500 or use app chat or open lines on the WBSM app. We can talk about that. We'll also talk a little bit later on about one of my favorite things to talk about, although nobody really cares when I do trains we have a story at wbsm.com and on the app about a train a train that's been repaired that i I might actually make the trip it's been so long since i've gone to new hampshire for anything and they do have a couple of railroads up there that i'd like to write maybe see i i get vacation time i just never take it because i never have anywhere to go Sure, I'll go to like the Michigan Paracon I'll probably be going back to that this year I'll probably be going back to the Gettysburg Battlefield Bash I'll travel for these paranormal things But I never just go and, and Do something for myself for fun maybe, maybe I'll take a train trip This summer And certainly Lincoln, New Hampshire Will be a place that I circle In order to ride this Now repaired and restored engine But I'm going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Hear you say taking you nowhere Angel. that's a song that always creeped me out when i was younger and i don't know why probably because of the tv show stephen king's golden years it, it aired for it was a summer summer series that aired like in 1990 91 somewhere around there it was, a, it was a really good show in my memory and i know i could go back and watch it on youtube but i'm afraid when i do go back it's not as good as i remember it's about a guy who was uh aging in reverse and it has something to do with some mysterious company and all kinds of stuff but had that as the theme song so maybe that tie-in is what creeped me out anyway five zero eight we'll also talk about the emmys coming up i know a lot of you don't care about award shows and neither do i although i do care about what shows win the Emmys? Because I watch a lot of TV, so therefore I'm I'm invested, and I'm going to bring you along for the ride as well. We can also talk about what happened in Iowa, but I don't think it was too much of a surprise to anybody, except for the way that Donald Trump started off his speech last night. So we can get into that too. Right now, though, it is time to go into the news and get all of the latest headlines of the day with Phil Devitt.
0: Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM
2: News. It was a big night for former President Trump in the Iowa caucuses as he claimed a solid win.
3: And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come
2: together and straighten out the world. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis finished in second place, followed by former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy called it a wrap after his disappointing showing, deciding instead to publicly endorse Trump. Next up is the New Hampshire primary on January 23rd, where Haley has been surging, though still behind Trump. A fake 911 call is being blamed for sending emergency crews to the White House Monday morning. Officials said the bogus call claiming the White House was on fire was made just after 7 a.m. Eastern. Emergency crews worked with the Secret Service to determine there was no fire emergency within minutes. President Biden was at Camp David at the time. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is out of the hospital and recovering. The Pentagon said he was released from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center on Monday. Austin was admitted to the hospital two weeks ago due to complications from prostate cancer surgery. He'll work remotely for a period of time while having full access to secure communications capabilities. The Pentagon did not disclose Austin had been hospitalized until days after he had been admitted. Boeing is reportedly taking a hard look at quality control after a door plug blew open on an Alaska Airlines flight earlier this month. The company is planning additional inspections for its 737 MAX planes. In an email to employees, CEO of Boeing's Commercial Airplanes Division Stan Deal said he'll bring in an outside party to make an assessment on the quality management system. A new report says the world's five richest men have more than doubled their wealth since 2020. According According to the nonprofit Oxfam, the combined wealth of the elite group, including Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, and investor Warren Buffett, jumped from $405 billion to nearly $870 billion in the past three years. Former New Bedford Mayor John Markey is being remembered for his many contributions to the city over the years, especially his work to preserve the downtown historic district. A fitting nod to that effort, a few years ago, the corner of Union Street and Route 18 in New Bedford named John Markey Plaza in his honor. Markey died Sunday at home. He was 89. Time now for WBSM Sports, brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors on Monday 105-96. Next up, they face the San Antonio Spurs at TD Garden Wednesday. And the Boston Bruins beat the New Jersey Devils 3-0. Their next home game is with the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday night. The South Coast waking up to snow today, and it's likely to hamper the morning commute just a bit. We'll get a check on your full forecast now with the ABC6 Weather Center. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Tuesday morning under our winter weather advisory until about 7 p.m. We're going to be seeing some snow this morning, a changeover mid to late morning into early afternoon to an all-rain event. Temperatures this morning in the mid-20s,
1: wind chill values in the mid-teens, slippery travel is expected. So take it easy on the roads out there. And as we head into the overnight hours, this unsettled weather will be tapering off to give way to frigid temperatures On the way from the ABC6 Weather
2: Center, I'm meteorologist Sassi Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBS. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station WBSM and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app.
0: Stream WBSM live crystal clear with one touch. The WBSM app. Someone
1: I used to see, but she don't give a damn for me. Well, let me wait, wait, do we have to censor to it? Do we have to do that thing where we reverse role, it? Uh, yeah, see, we have to do that. Now, I don't think we have to do that anymore in Massachusetts, right? I don't know. The, the, the rules are ever-changing. You know, the airwaves are federal and marijuana is not legal federally, but now that it's becoming legal in more states, ah, we gotta figure it all out. But anyway, I don't I don't condone what Tom Petty's singing. It's up, you know, it's a personal choice in Massachusetts. Adults can choose to do that if they wish. So If you're wondering, are there any school closings, cancellations, or delays, you can always find those out by going to WBSM.com and clicking on the closings and cancellations tab at the top. And you can find out if there are any closings, delays, or anything along those lines. If you are a school or a nonprofit or even a a business, if you want to be able to alert us to those closings, well, all you have to do is go to that same page and register. There's a button at the top that says click here to register, and then that puts you into the database for the Rhode Island Broadcasters Association, which then will allow you to any time that you have a closing or a delay to log in and enter that information in and then post it onto this widget that we have on our website. Why is it the Rhode Island Broadcasters Association? Because the Massachusetts Broadcasters Association does not offer the same service. So we can report it all to Rhode Island. Besides, you care more about what's going on down this end of things than you would if it was, say, the mass broadcasters and it was stuff all out in Western Mass, so, which is a majority of the members of the, of the uh, Mass Broadcasters Association. So I can tell you that right now, in terms of South Coast closings and cancellations, Seekonk Public Schools is delayed two hours with no AM kindergarten or preschool. And also the Seekonk Christian Academy will be closed today. So those are the only real local closings and delays. Uh, In Rehoboth, when it comes to daycares, the Twin Oaks Farm, LC Rehoboth is delayed an hour and a half. Teachers are to report at 7.30. So those are your really only local South Coast closings and cancellations that we have reported into us. Uh, But again, you can always check out the closing. It's snow closings and delays is what it says at the tab at the top of the WBSM website. And if you want to register, there's a button in that story to be able to click on to register. Or when you go to weather at the top of WBSM.com, you can click closings registration as well. That'll also bring you there. So this way here, it doesn't matter if anybody's here in the studio or in the newsroom. When you make that call, you can just enter in online and get it all out there as quick as possible. You don't have to leave us a voicemail and then we come in and then we, we don't get to it for a while and then people don't know. This way here, it's a lot more streamlined and it gets to the people as fast as possible. So, and of course, it's not that big of a deal today here. Uh, there's more snow, a little bit more north and west of us, but we only have, I mean, I'd say it's maybe maybe an inch or so on the ground, maybe maybe two, which is about what they predicted we would get this morning. Before it changes over to rain There's more snow coming Later on this week But we'll see I mean it's supposed to happen On Friday And then into Saturday And uh I don't know I'll be I'll be laid up in the hospital So I don't have to shovel I guess This time around And then I, I guess I can't shovel For a month so Somebody's gonna have to come and shovel me out If it snows But the um the snow if it has to fall, I would prefer that it falls like this. We get a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more for Santa Claus, a little bit more for Santa Claus. I don't want to have a big snowstorm. And maybe this will be enough to just satisfy you snow people. You snow freaks out there. The people who post on social media, oh, I can't we we need a good snowstorm. We need a good like two foot snowstorm. Shut up. No, we don't. We don't need to put people's lives in danger and Have significant issues and spend millions of dollars just because you want to look outside and have it be pretty. Because you want to go sledding. No. Screw snow. I notice I don't get a lot of pushback on that when I say it here on the air. So I think a lot of you early morning folks, you agree with me. You get it. You know what it's like to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and have to go to work and Trudge your way through unplowed streets and people that don't know how to drive. and Because we're all the people that work the jobs where we have to go in no matter what, right? Even if it's snowing, we, we have to be there. So you, you get it. You understand. If I was still on 9 to 12 and I talked about that, I'd, I'd have people calling in and telling me I'm a Grinch. So 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and get involved in the discussion. I had mentioned earlier that uh, I don't really care about award shows, and I I don't. I I would agree with everybody who says that the Oscars are pretentious. I mean, I might flip on the Oscars to just see like who the big winners are, but I can tell you I haven't really sought-out Oscar-winning movies in a long time. Probably since maybe the, the mid-2000s. I, I used to always see all of the Oscar-nominated films. But as they started to get more and more obscure and more and more genre films, I was like, nah, mm, I'm not going to see all of those. But the Emmy Awards has always been something that I have been interested in because, I, like I said, I watch a lot of TV. And I certainly watched a lot of the shows that were nominated. And taking a look at some of the winners, I would say most of the people who won were, were deserving. I don't think there's anybody that I would look at and say, no way. I do take a little bit of issue with FX's show The Bear being considered a comedy. Now, I like The Bear. I've, I've watched both seasons. I think it's a fantastic show. I think it shows the restaurant business in a way that has never been portrayed in television before. That's a lot more authentic. But I don't know that I would call it a comedy it's a comedy, I guess, the same way that Atlanta was a comedy. There are funny moments, but I, I don't think I've ever laughed out loud at either show. But they're both very entertaining. Um, I'm completely engrossed in the, in the episode. But I wouldn't call it a comedy. But it's, it's in that weird in-between genre where you can't quite call it a drama... But yet, the real reason I think that shows like that are considered, quote-unquote, comedies is because if you put those shows into the drama categories, you've just got too much competition. And it's a way to kind of honor what the Emmys feel are prestige shows that need to get recognition. So The Bear did very well. Succession, of course, did very well in its last season. I mean if you look at just say for example I was standing lead actor in a comedy series it went to Jeremy Allen White the star of the Bear but he was up against Bill Hader and Barry Jason Segel in Shrinking Martin Short in Only Murders in the Building and Jason Sudeikis on Ted Lasso Now Ted Lasso dominated the Emmy awards what last year So I think people feel like they gave that show it's time and a lot of folks felt like the last season didn't really live up to what Ted Lasso was. I would disagree. I thought it was great. It's a great show if you've never watched it. It'll, it'll make you feel good. You don't even have to like soccer. You don't even have to know anything about soccer. I don't. And Martin Short, I think, is probably the best performance of this season out of all of those. But I think he suffers from the fact that he's just playing a Martin Short character. Bill Hader and Barry, I didn't think this season was really... A comedy performance from him It was more of a dramatic performance And, and I would say the same with Jason Segel And supporting actor in a drama Went to Matthew McFadden of Succession And certainly There were a ton of people That were worthy in that category But he was a standout Out of everybody Outstanding supporting actress in a drama series. You had Jennifer Coolidge winning for the White Lotus. You hear Jennifer Coolidge here on WBSM in that commercial. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. But the, the interesting thing about that is I thought Rhea Seahorn had that wrapped up for Better Call Saul, but I would have actually called her a lead actress. Not a supporting actress. And, and in that case, she wouldn't have stood a chance, I think, I think uh, again, Sarah Snook from Succession. So if you don't watch these shows, well, I, I totally get it. I totally get it if you are not a fan of sitting in front of the TV for hours. But it's, it's how I choose to entertain myself. And so then I feel like I have a vested interest in, in what goes on. With the, I also feel like the Emmys are one of the few award shows that actually do reward the winners based on their performances as opposed to trying to make some sort of a political statement or sociological statement or that they feel that they have to do this. Oh, well, it was the final season of this show. We have to give them all the awards. Like, I know there's been accusations of that in the past, but you really can tell that they try to put some thought in who wins and justification for who wins. And so I will always, you know, I'm not going to watch the show, but I'll always check the list of winners afterwards. I just don't like long, boring award shows. For me, the best award shows were the 1990s VMAs, they kept things moving, they had great performances, they had what would have been viral moments if viral was a thing back then, you never knew who was going to show up, you had moments like Howard Stern flying off the stage as Fartman, even Guns N' Roses reuniting and playing in 2002, I think it was, Unexpectedly. Michael Jackson showing up within sync. Some of the best performances of the 90s and early 2000s happened on the VMAs. And, and the MTV Movie Awards was also a good, good award show. But these, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, the Tonys, no, come on. It's just too long, too boring, and not enough people care. I mean, sure, they get eyeballs and social media play, but people are more invested in the outfits or Will Smith slapping Chris Rock than they are in who actually wins because they know that the awards don't really mean anything anymore. But I think the Emmys still do. All right, I got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. 508 996 0500. Five zero eight 508-996-0500 let's go to the phones good morning you're on wbsm
3: hey good morning
1: how you doing
3: i'm very happy that trump did well because my guy biden now has to step up it's the game is on now you know how they say game on mm-hmm. it's on and i think that joe biden's got to uh get out of that basement and show up gotta start showing up you know what they say Show up, put up or shut up. And that's where Joe Biden is right now.
1: Well, I mean it is it is early in the process. Do you think that he needs to come out and start, you know, targeting Donald Trump even before there's an official nominee?
3: Yes. Yes I do. I, I believe that every time Donald Trump goes to court, Biden should be the leading story over the court case, throwing some kind of harangue or or bigotry statement against Trump or some kind of dirty laundry on him. The only way you're going to take Trump down is you got to hit him and attack him. And as long as it you got to attack him. You got to nip at his heels all the whole way through this thing. Stay away from issues and get right on him. Like I said, you know, you got to show up, Joe. Joe Biden, or put up a shut up. You want my vote? Because you, you really, you got, you, you've been playing him dirty to begin with. Now it's time to start hitting him.
1: Do you think it's so smart for? Know. Is it smart for Haley and DeSantis to stay in?
3: I think you've got to take Trump and just run him to the ground, dog him, bite his heels. Everything he says contradict him. They don't have to be truthful because I think the next four years in this country, if you believe it or not, is going to be ruled by fear and, and hate. Hate in the stars above for four years. And I think Biden's the man. And with the media, I think they can do that. I think the media can handle hate and, and, and uh, fear and get this Biden back in for four more years, because uh, we're in a state right now that I don't like
1: Biden, but I don't want a civil war either. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you there because i got to take a break, but thank you for the call. And uh, if you want to call in, 508-996-0500, we can certainly talk about what happened in Iowa. I don't think it was that unexpected, except for some of the things that Donald Trump said about his Republican competitors, Uh, he was complimentary to them. And I wasn't expecting that. No, no nicknames. He referred to them as as Ron and Nikki and Vivek. And so I think you know, obviously Ramaswamy decided to drop out and and fully endorse Trump, and he'll he'll be in Trump's corner going forward. But I thought he was uh, uncharacter uncharacteristically um, effusive, I guess, as as much as effusive as Donald Trump is toward an opponent. And so I thought maybe that was like a, a change in tone, but then he launched into kind of, you know, some of the, the usual rhetoric after that, and it's working. I mean, 50% win, that's, that's a, it's a good move, and we'll see what happens in New Hampshire next week. Got to take a break, though. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.